Welcome to Stories That Stick, a podcast series about the stories that shape us. We, this is a book that we took to publishers and they said there was no audience for it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I work with dads all the time. This is needed. So we did a crowdfunder and we self-published. Hey everyone, it's Ade here, your host for Stories That Stick podcast. Now in today's episode, I have a conversation with Elliot Ray, founder of Music Football Fatherhood which is an empowering community of fathers who share their experiences through online conversations, meetups, and much more. Actually, I believe BBC called it the dad's version of Mumsnet. So take that for whatever you want. That being said, Elliot shares some of his stories that made a huge impact on his life, as well as how MFF, which is Music Football Fatherhood, came to be, and why we all ought to buy his latest book called Dad. And it is all about the untold stories of fatherhood, love, mental health and masculinity. Now, if you're brand new to this podcast, please be aware that we start all our conversations talking about death. But if this does trigger you, then please skip forward approximately two and a half minutes after this intro or once you hear the page turn and sound effects. And last thing, I know, I know you guys are probably tired of hearing this. If you can take a minute out of your day just to rate and review the show because not only does it help others find us, but your feedback helps us grow too. And it's really, really appreciated. Now, without further ado, here's Elliot Ray. Hey Elliot, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good, Ade. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Friday. And so, you know, we thank God. The weekend is now opening up somewhat, so we can actually say thank God it's Friday. For real. Not that I have any plans over the weekend. Oh, no. I can pretend I do. (laughs) Not a sub story from the start. (laughs) (laughs) I do actually have plans. What am I talking about? I'm going to see my grandma, and then I'm also going to go and see our book in a bookshop for the first time ever. So I do have plans. I was lying. I was lying. Well, we definitely will jump into your book, because that's predominantly why we are here, or why, rather, I have the privilege of speaking to you. But we do talk about the subject of death out the gate. Sure. So, Elliot, what do you think or, you know, what are your thoughts on death as a subject or topic? Man, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. So, ultimately, we're here. We don't know when we're going to go, but we've got to make the best of our lives, right? And I think preparing for the eventualities is good, but at the same time, just enjoying every day and trying not to overthink it. Yeah. And I guess the reason as to why I normally start with this, Elliot, isn't because I'm a morbid guy and I want to talk about death. But on the contrary, it's because if you are on this podcast, it's a snapshot of your life so far. But I'm curious to know whether you're intentional with it, your life. Do you want to leave or create a legacy? Yeah. You do? 100%. Like, well, legacy is an interesting thing. So not to say, oh, when I'm gone, I want everyone to like remember my name. Like, I don't think it's that. I think it's more about what impacts can I have when I'm here? Mm. How can I make my life better, my family's life better, people around me, society, you know, try to do my bit around equality. So I definitely live my life very intentionally. I feel like anyone that try that is doing something a little bit out of the box, building something in the community has to be living intentionally. Like, I don't think you just fall into that kind of thing by accident. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love then for us to go into the chapters of your life to see how intentional you've been living and the legacy that you are creating, because you are 100%. I'm definitely familiar with music, football, fatherhood, MFF. You guys have been doing great things and a big fan. 
So let's actually go through the first chapter, 0 to 10. Damn, you've got, Elliot, you've got me doing some reflecting here, boy. <laughs> you have to. You have to paint those pictures for us. Who were you? What wow. was growing up like? Who was I? Yeah. So um, I think I was a hyper child who ran everywhere. <laughs> I must have driven my mom crazy. I remember like, she'd be like, stop running. I was running, like everywhere. You know, go out shopping and just running down the road. Like so much energy. And I loved music from a young age. Like Michael Jackson, that bad album. That was yeah, a bit yeah. of me, mate, a bit of me. And so I remember, I always remember going to like a wedding when they were playing Michael Jackson. I remember getting up and being on the dance floor, like, yeah, giving it the moonwalk, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and at the beginning, everyone's like, oh, this cute kid. Like, that's cool. Look at him. When like the fourth song played, fifth song and that like, kid's still going and he's getting a bit too much. And I remember my mum and dad had to like drag me off the dance floor. We're going home. But I was that sort of kid, right? Like music is in me. It's just in my bones. You know, you, you can't, uh, I think we're just, we're just made a certain way. And for me, music has a, an impact on me, very deep impact on me. Did you ever play? Were you nurtured into pursuing that further, that hobby, that desire? Actually, yeah. So I started playing the trombone in... Uh, at what age? Yeah, three, I think. Oh yeah, four. And then the music teacher at the time, this old man, he'd come round. I remember he'd like be talking to you, directing you, but when he when he spoke, he'd spit. So he'd spit all over your music and all over you. So you're quite you're kind of like just playing, looking at your mates. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was good times, man. And obviously football as well. Yeah, that's what I lived for. Yeah, that was my life. Well, that's interesting because and for those of you guys who are coming to this brand new, what I tend to do with all my guests is I send them a very very brief questionnaire prior to recording pretty much three questions what was the funnest story you read or watched or heard as a child teenager and adult and you said eric cantona lob yeah why was that moment particularly impactful on your life and you know if you can paint the pictures give us an overview on what was going on prior to that specific special moment for me like football was just everything you know escapism it was competition you know watching a football game to me was like a blockbuster film and at that time so we're talking like 1992 maybe Eric Cantona was at Man United and he was like one of the first foreign players in the Premier League and he used to always wear his collar up so most players would have their collar down and he'd have his collar up and there was a game I think they're playing Southampton but yeah he got the ball just outside the box and he seemed to look up and just chipped it straight into He's the corner and turned around, stood like this. And I was just like, no, this is it. And so for me, that was, that was a, an, an amazing moment. And I think from a football loving kid, that kind of um, gave me like encouragement. I was inspired. I would wear my collar up and pretend I was Eric Cantona. You know, so that was just like a massive moment in my life that had a massive impact on just, you know, who I was. Let's then go on to your next chapter, which is your next decade, which is 11 to 20. So paint some pictures, Elliot. The floor's yours. Like, wow. who were you at this time? What were you thinking? What was keeping you, yeah. quote unquote, on a straight and narrow? So do you know what? I've never thought about it in that kind of decade, because I think from 11 to 20, you are a completely different human. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I think... Um, 
I think in year seven, year seven, eight, and year nine, you know, I think I did pretty well in school. I, I enjoyed school. I was never bullied in secondary school or anything like that. I, I, I was kind of like that that middle ground kid that had something in common with most people. I was quite good in my academic. I wasn't amazing, but I was good enough to like get some A's and B's and GCSEs. So I, I could do that stuff. I was also very good at football. I was quite fast. So I was respected through that as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think there was definitely times where I knew I wasn't as confident as I could have been. Like there was times right. when I was just still trying to find where I fit in. Um, I think you know. so. I think with secondary school, especially during the first part of this decade, you know, you are very much still testing things and seeing what quote unquote click you belong to mm. and what's your tribe. Were you now at this stage though, and there often is that one tutor who who sees a talent in you mm. and says, you know what, Elliot, you should pursue this. Was there anyone for you like that? Sadly, no. It? I don't say <laughs> I feel like people would be surprised to see the stuff I'm doing now because I don't think I showed that at school. But I don't think I displayed any signs of being able to do something out of the ordinary at that age, really. Um, yeah, through my A-levels, I didn't, you know, we, we, we would just have a good time, man. Like, literally, I didn't. I, I stopped working. At this age now, you're legally able to do a lot of things. I had a good time. <laughs> I hear that. And obviously distractions, women, romance, love. All, all of that. that. Yeah, I hear you. All of that, man. But, but you weren't coasting as such. I mean, because I don't want to paint that picture. It sounds mm -hmm. like you were just coasting along. You were still intentional with potentially what you wanted to do as a career. Or were you not? Because you have to, forgive me, I don't have to say because you have to. No one has to do anything. But you're normally advised to certainly start looking at subjects that go together with your career ambition. So what were you picking and what was the intention? So this is this is where I feel like more needs to be done, really, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I don't feel like I had a decent conversation with anyone about what are your strengths? Forget subject matter in school. What are your strengths just as a person and how can you put that into some kind of career I didn't really have that conversation it was more like I'm good at PE let's do PE at A level economics I'm interested in that I was quite good at maths let's do that and then media I liked media studies I liked film so music so let's do media so at A level I did PE economics and media studies a whole bunch of just three random things right there's there's no kind of there's no path there at all it's just like what do you kind of want to do you know um there was no plan Really, and I think one thing I say well, I've got a daughter now is that I want to be able to help her to understand her strengths and think about what can you then go and do with those strengths and monetize that. So I did my A levels, I got three C's, and then yeah, I I, I applied to go to Roehampton University and went to Roehampton. But I think at this point the music bug had hit me, right? So I started emceeing to garage at the ages of sixteen, and when I was seventeen I got a pair of decks and I was buying like rap i was buying uk garage and just mixing so we're finding you the tail end of this decade at university of roehampton studying what was the degree in so it's business marketing okay but still not entirely sure what that would lead to but regardless mm. it was a simple situation that you enjoyed this you were having fun and your hobbies was 
ripping it up in a MC and on the decks. I love yeah, that. Yeah. So I really understand why music is integral to almost the platform in which you have built. And in truth, I also understand why football is. Mm. Now, fatherhood is obviously coming a little bit later, I see. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. before we definitely move on to your third and last chapter, as we do in Stories That Stick, mm. I still need to talk about another of your submissions, a story that made a huge impact in your life during this decade. Do you recall what you submitted? Was it Don't Be a Menace? <laughs> it was. I can't forget that. And for those who don't know, do you want to explain Don't Be a Menace and why it had a huge impact in your life during this decade? Don't Be a Menace is like a hood film in America, black film. And it's basically like around some kids doing their thing. and, and But they're in that life where they get mixed up with some other guys, I can't remember what it's over, but over some stupid stuff and gang wars. And um, it's really interesting because there's stories about the guy that's clearly in that world, he's the gangster that he lives that. There's a story about the guy that wants to go and play basketball and move, move out. And there's the main character who I kind of resonated with because he kind of just floats around in the middle living and he gets caught up in things. And so for me, I just find that fascinating because it was the, the imagery, they painted the language, the music. It's just a great movie, like just to watch. But I think the undertone to it as well was something that I could relate to to an extent in terms of the main character and his personality. So, Elliot, let's uh, go into your final chapter, which is 20 plus. And I do want you to help us bridge or join the dots on how we find you not only creating MFF, but also becoming an author who curates a lot of stories. When uni, we've graduated, mm -hmm. what's next? Yeah, so for me, um, just quickly on uni then. So the first two years, again, DJing, doing all the student discos, and then I knuckled down in my third year and really started to work hard. But one thing that I write about in my story, actually, when I was 19, and I write about this in the book, is there was some, a bit like the Don't Tell a Menace story, but there were some guys that I knew and from my area, there were some guys from South. And yeah, there was some mix up. I'd introduce two groups of people that didn't necessarily like each other or whatever. And I ended up basically getting robbed and having a gun put to my head. And, and so for a long while, it was like feeling like when you leave your house, everyone's looking at you and everyone knows what's happened to you and it's quite embarrassing and whatnot. And for me, that was a massive driver. I think that was the thing that made me want to work even harder because I was like, OK, cool. I'll get my revenge through my success and I'll show you your mistake sort of thing. So I finished, that happened like my second year uni, finished university and then probably really at this point experiencing the system. You speak more on that. So, you know, trying to get a job basically and just realising I know nobody. I have no contacts. I have no experience other than just working in retail. So I always worked. I worked in Blockbuster and I worked in JD Sports and I worked in Iceland. So I always had a job, but I had no experience in marketing or, or business at all. Just couldn't get a job. So... So my mum worked at um, NatWest Bank at the time and she was like, why don't you come and work in the bank? So applied, got an interview and yeah, got, got my first job as a, as a cashier in a bank. And it's weird, you know, you think I went to university, got a tutu in business marketing and now I'm, I'm like a cashier and also had to sit next to my mum. But I think, yeah, that, that was the, one of the first experiences of, of negatively understanding how potentially my race plays into opportunities. So how 
does MFF come to play in like also dads? Because I see the the passion within these respective silos, music and football. But mm. we still haven't spoken about that fatherhood. Like where does all of a sudden you bring in all of this under one roof come into? I guess I'm asking for yeah. the Genesis story of MFF, which yeah, then leads so itself I... to dad, your book. So yes, yeah, so I guess doing... um. So taking it from working in that West, I got promoted to the business centre, which was really nice. And then I actually started a, a business. I left that West and started a business called Make Happen Music, which was teaching young people music production. And I think that was from the ages of like 23 to 26 I did that. I would go around different housing associations, different colleges, community centres, and we would make songs, but also kind of talk about you know their life and what's going on for them. A lot of them were living in like difficult circumstances in difficult areas um, and they had beef with a lot of different people so it was like you know just talking through those sort of things so it was some of like the most rewarding years it was very tough and I remember the first time I got a first contract um, I was in a meeting and it's in a housing association meeting actually and the girl Cecilia who was like one of the community people there she was like I want to do this project I want to teach young children how to make music so I was like, yeah, I could do that. I've been doing that for years. Like, <laughs> that's fine. Like, yeah, give me the contract. I'll do it. Bearing in mind, I had no equipment. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I had no lesson plan. Yeah, yeah. Gave me the date. I was like, okay, cool. I need to go and sort out some stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I remember running home, ordering all the equipment. But the keyboards, they couldn't deliver the keyboards. They had none in stock. Oh, no. I drove into central London to the shop I'd ordered from. This is about a couple of hours before the session starts. Put a note. I wrote a note on some paper. Please don't give me a ticket. Please. I'm just <laughs> running into the shop. Ran into the shop. Begged them. Look, I need. I've ordered it from you, but you haven't delivered it. Can I? I need to have them now. I've got a session. I'm running in like an hour and a half. They went into the stock room. I was like, yes. Took them. Ran back in the car. Drove to the place, which was in ground around Kilburn. Parked up on this estate, this council estate. And I remember I was been mad because I had a lot of money worth of equipment, and I'm in my boot unpacking the keyboards, putting them into these bags with the laptops, and then I'm walking <laughs> down through this place I I've never been before on my own to go into this community centre. And I, and I set up the laptops, tested the keyboards. Luckily, they worked. Two, two of them didn't nice. work. And the kids come in. And when I, do, when I do talks and stuff now and workshops, I'm like, look, when you've been through working with kids, yeah, kids don't care. Like, if you're not famous, yeah, yeah. kids don't care about you. There's no kind of like, oh, let's see, he might, you know, there's no smiling and no, like, none of that. So for me, that was a real test of like, drop yourself in the deep end. What are you going to say? How are you going to connect with these young people? You know, how are you going to make them feel like they've, they're empowered at the end of it? And just blagged my way through basically the first couple of weeks and then learn, 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 learn. And then um, ended up doing that for three years until the um, coalition government came in and they cut all the funding pretty much overnight. And that's, you know, the riots happened as well when it's no... You know, when I, when the riots happened, I was not surprised yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So that's amazing how you start creating this workshop happen. How then do we get into your book? Me and my wife, when I was 25, got married at 30 and I had my daughter at 31. For us, the pregnancy was very, very long and difficult birth. And my daughter was very ill when she was born. And um, she ended up being in intensive care. We ended up being in intensive care with her for two weeks. Basically, the infection she had, one in 10 babies die, one in 10 babies will have a long-term severe disability. So we were super worried. Yeah. When I think about the deepest moments of my life, that was our darkest moment. You know, we, we just prayed for hours. Mm. Um, me, my, my wife, and um, one of the midwives just prayed and cried 
all night, basically. Thankfully, it was all fine and we got to go home a few days later. But going through that, like, that traumatic experience and I just went straight back to work. And over the year, I ended up being diagnosed with PTSD because I'd never actually had time to process or accept or talk through what I'd been through. And it was just back into having a newborn and, and back into work which is actually quite a common thing after a traumatic birth to have PTSD. And um, we do loads of work around campaigning for, for more dad, new dads to be screened around that. So, um, so I started writing and uh, just, just write about being a new dad. And then that was in 2016 and a couple of dads joined, very informal. Um, but in 2017, I wrote a piece for The Independent called I'm a Married Black Professional Father and I Don't Exist. And it was their most shared article that day second most shared article that day. And that's what took the platform MFF from being something that was like just me and a couple of other people to being something that, you know, people might have heard about. And um, from there, it's just been growing. We've been really thinking about what it is that we're trying to achieve, building the community. And we are all about open conversations about fatherhood. We have one of the most popular blogs for fathers in the UK. We do regular events for our community called Open Conversations. We're launching um, peer sessions for new dads. And uh, that's culminated in Dad, which is our our new book, which is flying. It's doing so well. We're number 14 in the Amazon Fatherhood book charts, which is just like unbelievable, you know, because this is a book that we, this is a book that we took to publishers and they said there was no audience for it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I work with dads all the time. This is needed. So we did a crowdfunder and we, we self-published and the book's doing amazing. And it's in Waterstones and it's, in, it's on Amazon and W.H. Smith and it's getting great reviews and it's actually like impacting people's lives and it's changing the way they are perceiving dads and it's understanding they're not alone in their experiences and it's bringing people together. And it's, it's just an amazing thing that is very overwhelming. And um, I just feel very blessed to be in this position, really. Um, so Elliot, your final submission when it comes down to the brief questionnaire, what your funder story you read, watched or heard as an adult, you wrote, I may destroy you. It is phenomenal definitely resonates with me but I'm curious to know why does this resonate with you I may destroy you had me captivated in in a way I don't think any other show that I can remember has captivated me you know the, the tension the anger the excitement like it just had a I was fixated me and my wife were on the on the sofa just looking at each other like oh my gosh this is an amazing piece of tv the way Michaela Cole told those stories the being she touched on. The human connectivity in it just blew my mind and that just inspires me and I just gotta say it's the best thing on TV man. No amazing I absolutely love the show as well. So, Elliot, before we find out how we can find you and where we can find you, this is the last question I ask all my guests. Apart from your book, what one book would you gift to loved ones and why? Okay, so the, the book I've read in the last couple of years that I really enjoyed was actually Queenie. So Queenie, for me, it was a great distraction from the world. It was very relatable. One of the first really entertaining books that I've read that I could see myself in that was talking to me 
as I could have been a character in that in that story or I understood the context and stuff like that. So there's not many of those, you know, that you read and you think, oh, I, I, I see myself in here. Um, that was probably the most entertaining book I've read recently. So for anyone who's trying to relax and have a good time and, you know, check out Queenie. Amazing. Well, A, would you like to be found online? And if yes, how can we find you and what would you like us to do? So I want to be found, but not by trolls, <laughs> not by racists. <laughs> by good people. If you're a good person, then cool. Find me, reach out. I'm very responsive. Um, so my personals are I am Elliot Ray. So I A M Elliot, two L's and two T's, R A E, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, if you want to follow MFF, if you're a dad who's interested in mental health or masculinity or equality, and fatherhood then follow us at mff online underscore or go to musicfootballfatherhood.com and um, you'll see all our activity on our website the website's the hub you'll find all the activity for the book if you go to www.weardad.co.uk there's a link tree and it's got a link to all of the kind of places you can find the book but yeah please do check out the book it's 20 powerful stories from dads from different backgrounds different ages talking about a variety of different topics, some hard, hard stuff that dads will experience, also some everyday stuff that each dad will experience. And these dads have come together because they believe that we need to do more talking. We need to be more open with our experiences. We need to share more and we need to change the narrative around what fatherhood is. Please, please check it out. But yeah, thank you, Ade. I just want to say thank you for the, you know, this has been very unique. You've got me to delve into my past and I think I might have to think about that for a little while now. Well, I'm glad, Ellie. I'm glad I've got some exclusives. But guys, as always, everything that has been discussed, we will put on the show notes, including the links to where we can get the book and how you can obviously follow Elliot personally, as well as MFF. And we always want to be better, better with all the interviews we do and just our output. So please do rate, review, give us feedback because it really does help us grow. Elliot, thanks very much. And guys... Stay tuned for another episode of Stories That Stick. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do share it. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, please do get in touch.